your source for Big Ten talk. It's off tackle Empire. Welcome back to Off Tackle Empire, and after the marathon of disparaging our own teams, uh, Andrew and myself, Steve Brun. Uh, are going to talk about what's coming up here. That's not to say that we're not going to disparage our own teams. Optimism springs eternal. Everything's coming up, Spartans in the line eye this week. Mm-hmm. It's not to say that we're not going to disparage our own teams. We're just going to do it for things that they're going to do in instead a, of things they already did. In a cheerful fashion, we're maintaining a positive outlook because we actually have a near full slate of conference action this week. So yep, we've got Purdue, Maryland, well, Iowa, Minnesota, Penn State on by. Five teams on by. Yeah, so when I say near full slate of conference action, what I actually mean by that is uh, three conference games uh, and then a whole bunch of teams taking a break and three non-conference games. So I mean, as far as a whole bunch of teams taking a break is concerned, Ohio State versus Miami of Ohio. That's kind of also a break. So it's, it's a bye that they get a win for. But we'll start with the noon slate. Actually, I'm going to shuffle the order a little bit here. And first, we're going to discuss... A familiar opponent to fans of the podcast and of the conference, the UConn Huskies. Still angling for that invitation to the Big Ten. It's still not coming. We learned our lesson last time, inviting a Northeastern school to play football with us. Never again. So the question is, with UConn as far as Indiana is concerned, is Indiana better than Illinois? Yes. Yes, they are. Most teams are better than Illinois. So, they probably won't go down 13 to nothing, and they probably won't struggle to put UConn away. I wonder, other than... Because F- they can play defense a yeah. little bit. Yeah. And I, I wonder, other than FCS teams, when was the last time Indiana had a 27-point line in their favor? Yeesh. That's, I mean, I don't think they're quite going to cover that. I don't think UConn is quite as epically bad as they were last year. It would be hard to repeat that kind of... That, that, that kind of... I mean, I'm hoping that they're not. Right. Yes, right. Um, you know, they, they do have a couple decent playmakers offensively, but... This really shouldn't be a problem from Indiana. I don't think we've heard yet if Michael Penix is expected to play. I don't remember seeing any update on that. We're sitting here Tuesday night. I haven't heard anything yet of you. I have not. Uh, I, I do know that UConn, though Illinois played poorly, UConn did have a couple of those like those plays that you know they happen to you in a video game. You're just like, okay, this is bullshit. Their stats in no way allow for this <laughs> right. kind of incredible circus catch to happen. Yeah. Like, I don't know, like... <laughs> Tight end one-handing it in stride in traffic. Remember one of those happening? So watch out for that. Apparently they've got <laughs> they've got like flashes of Turbo Beast. They are they are good doggos, but like whether it's Penix, whether it's Peyton Ramsey going the whole way, I don't think there should be too much of a problem. Pound for the ball here, and yeah. Yeah, Stevie with Stevie Scott, they took the wrapper off of Samson James this season, so you may as well continue to play him. Um, Indiana really shouldn't have a problem. This would be a good week to establish the run. Indeed it would. Speaking of establishing the run, Steve Adazio. Time to dive as Boston College heads to Piscataway to take on the Rutger. And by dive, I think you mean Dave. Run the Dave, run the Dave, run the Dave. A.J. Dillon's actually having a pretty darn good start to the season. In three games, he's got 318 yards and four scores. I'm actually not all that many carries, the problem is Boston College's defense has fallen off considerably from last year, and they figured that out in a big way against Kansas. Now, I guess this early in the season, you can ask yourself, well, 
Did Boston College step back or did Kansas step forward? Remember, Kansas lost to Coastal Carolina the week before. Um, so this should be a game that's in Rutgers' potential orbit of victories. Especially a, if McLean Carter plays. Yes. Also don't have news on him yet, I don't think. I'm pretty sure I saw he was still in the concussion protocol. Although, I mean, I think... Isn't the protocol that if you're not clear of symptoms for, like, three or four days, you can't play? So I don't windows, know, but... Windows I mean, got to be closing. Yeah. Well, they had a bye week that was at a perfect time because this game suddenly looks gettable. What is the concussion protocol? Lycos. I don't use Google like the rest of you tools. I mean, yeah, and you have... Uh, Rutgers has just talented enough skill players to potentially do this. I mean, because Kansas... Made a lot of things happen with uh, Puka Williams and another quarterback that, like McLean Carter, had two last names. Can't remember what his name was. Which school were we talking about? Kansas. They had a, a two last names quarterback come uh, in and start year? slinging it. Yeah, against know. Boston College. Hmm. Yeah, I got I gotta look that up there. Okay, so yeah, it doesn't really say. BC. No, this feels like uh, uh, Carter Stanley. I I knew there was a Carter in there somewhere. Carter Carterson. So yeah, Carter Stanley had a lot of success. You look for McLean Carter to repeat the same kind of success based on the similar construction of his name. Um, <laughs> look, if you're talking Boston College Rutgers, I don't know how much more detail you expect us to get with the analysis, okay? Um, this, look, this is a game where it wouldn't surprise me if the way these two teams want to play... You get about 80 carries split between Dylan and Isaiah Pacheco, and the rest of and the passing game is just kind of a formality. Um, weather forecast I'm looking at here does seem to say 86 and sunny for Piscataway on game day, though. So if you're going to try to air it out, get back into the game you had against UMass, this would be a decent time to do it. Let's see if Bo Mountain and Raheem Blackshear as a receiver are real things or just a UMass thing. Well, that brings us to the conference slate. I'm actually pretty excited to watch that Rutgers-Boston College game now. I never thought I'd be... I mean, just because, like, it's got that kind of Rutgers-Kansas-y vibe to it. Like, what's going to happen here? Oh, my goodness. Well, I mean, because Boston College has, like, the smell of Kansas all over them <laughs> now, now it's like, you know, they're... Like, Kansas has shed Kansas onto Boston College, so Boston College is now carrying the Kansas. So this is essentially Rutgers versus Kansas part three. <laughs> so is... So I'm excited to watch this one. Is the... Is the parfum of Kansas football like a like a viscous slime, or is it like burrs, or is it just a smell? Parfum de Jeho. <laughs> or is it just grass at this point? <laughs> well. <laughs> Sounds tasty. You know what's not tasty? Illinois versus Nebraska. There's a prime time slot wasted on this game. It's going to be a yeah. 7 o'clock central kickoff. Um, I guess... At the time this was scheduled, Illinois was 2-0, had stomped Akron, and and maybe we thought these teams were going to come in being 3-0 this apiece. Is a, this isn't homecoming for you, is it? It's 2 No, I, I always go to homecoming, and, okay. and we have we have Wisconsin for homecoming, as, as we always do oh, on better, odd years. That's a better idea. So. Yeah, we, we always have Wisconsin for homecoming on odd years. I have no idea why that is, although the last odd year that we didn't have them, we had 2013 Michigan State. Sorry. Um, that went extremely well. Uh, so... I guess it will be nice for the crowd in Memorial Stadium to be happy with the result for once, since it will be all Nebraska fans. So we got... Look, red and orange are close enough on the color wheel in certain standard definitions. You may not be able to tell, and it'll just look like a stadium full of Illini fans. <laughs> As I expected... Other than the fact that they're chanting Go Big Red constantly. That might be a little bit of a giveaway. 
Yeah, well, the fact that they're chanting anything at all based on my recent Illini experiences might give them away as not Illini fans, because we don't do that anymore. Um, so, as I expected, you know, the Illini fans did not show up for the opener against Akron, about 30,000. But then, about 5,000 more came to the Eastern Michigan game. That was all it took was beating Akron and UConn. Got 5,000 more for the Eastern Michigan game, and guess what they were rewarded with? A big fat sack of shit. Uh, flung up into all of their faces like it was a t-shirt cannon. Just just explosively firing shit into the upper decks of Memorial Stadium. That would be a little bit on brand for poop, though. So, Adrian Martinez is going to feast because we can't defend the read option. The linebackers in the zone might as well not even be on the field. And the corners aren't good enough for man coverage anyway. Yeah, Dedrick Mills has been going for about six yards a pop as Nebraska's lead running back, too. So, drink when an Illini tackles a back that doesn't have the ball. Boy, we're going to get a lot of big, clean hits on ball carriers that aren't carrying the ball. Uh, the only real question here, because we know the Nebraska offense is going to absolutely shred, <coughs> piss poor excuse for a defense that I, I can't, that I, I love he should be ashamed to show his face for this. But the only thing that is going to really be in question here is will the Illini offense at least be able to make it interesting? Because Nebraska has proven to not have an elite defense, um, but capable and certainly the most talented defense that Illinois has faced. So I guess that depends. Are we abandoning the run early? If so, watch for Peters to consistently fail to identify the blitz and stare down his first reach for five seconds till he gets his ass kicked. Uh, I guess Isaiah Williams was just warming up on the sideline last game just because he was bored because apparently they had no plans to put him in. Um, well, look, if you in the non-conference I can understand how maybe you're installing some kind of plan with him that you don't want to use him yet. If you don't play him in this game, especially if it doesn't go well, that I think is proof of what we posited last week about Williams, which is that Lovey has some kind of assurance that regardless of how the season goes, he's still going to be around to actually use this kid. To get back to Lovey leaning into the meme, he went so far as to say that there was no thought to play Isaiah Williams. Brandon is our quarterback. Uh... He went so far as to lean into that part of the meme. I just ah, hope that, he said it. <laughs> I just hope that at some point he becomes so robotic in it that he like gets the name wrong and he's, he thinks his, the guy's name is Peter Brandon's or something. Why is Brandon's not... You, you see a lot of last names that are a plural of a first name. Peters, Roberts, Williams. You don't see Brandon as one of those names, though, and I wonder why that is. This is how interesting I find Illinois and Nebraska, by the way. So I'm literally wondering to myself, why would it be so much stranger for a guy to be named Peter Brandon's than Brandon Peters? The 12-point spread for Nebraska is free money. Uh, I don't know. Probably... I would say that the over of the over/under is 63 and a half. That seems low based on the fact that it was around 90 last year. Mm. This game does have the potential. Just because the Illini still have Reggie Corbin, they've got some fast playmakers, they've got a ball winner in Imantra Bebe, um, they've got a tight end that can clear out the zone in Daniel Barker, they could make some plays and make this one a little interesting for maybe the first quarter, first half. But ultimately this would be a big fat L for the Illini, because uh, we suck against Nebraska's offense. Um, and, you know, I didn't even have to say Nebraska against Nebraska's offense. Uh, the... I was looking forward to this game as a referendum on what Lovey was building here in year four, but we got that referendum last week. Let's go backwards in time a little bit here to the 330 slot where we have Ohio State hosting Miami Chemical as the only game in that time slot because we had to cram 
four of them into the noon slot instead. Um, the line for this game is 39 and a half for Ohio State, and that feels like a pretty easy decision. I, I, I would take I would take them to cover. Would you not? Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. Miami Cincinnati walloped Miami of Ohio pretty good. Right. So you, <laughs> I don't think that transitive property ends up being very useful over the course of the year. But early on, we don't have a lot of other bases for comparison. It can be. It can give you something of an idea. Well, I mean, they covered that spread against Indiana, so it's literally a matter of, do they want to cover the spread? If they feel like it, they will. They, I mean, look, Ryan Day has not shown any indication of, er, any inclination, rather, to keep the score close if it's in his control to do so, which it has been every game so far. So, yeah, I would expect Ohio State to put it out to a 40-something point margin and then take their foot off the gas, and it still won't matter because their backups are all more talented than Miami starters. So expect Fields and Dobbins to continue to pile up the stats. Other than that, they distribute the ball pretty well. I would not have guessed, by the way, looking at some stats here, that Benjamin Victor, first of all, I thought he graduated, but he actually leads the Buckeyes with 11 catches for 200 already um, because the way they spread the ball around, no no other one receiver stands out, which is part of what makes him so impossible to defend. you got to cover everybody. Fun. Everything about Ohio State is impossible. It's, it's no fun. Um, speaking of no fun... Michigan State Northwestern. The over-under for this is set at 38.5, which is, on one hand, reasonable for Northwestern and Michigan State in a vacuum. Not, not reasonable for not, them together. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Everyone, in a vacuum, yeah. if you take Northwestern and you take Michigan State and you compare them, the over-under, you would go under 38.5, but when you look at how they interact with each other, yeah, you take that it's over. Like, it's like two otherwise inert chemicals that, when put in a beaker together... Um, cause a, a chemical explosion. A very big, stupid explosion. Yes. And that Pugno. usually usually gets way more in Mark D'Antonio's face than Pat Fitzgerald's. Yes, because a big part of this is that D'Antonio still doesn't know that all you have to do to handle Northwestern is put on a specific set of gloves, but he doesn't want to wear those gloves. He wants to wear these other gloves that he wears for all his other chemical interactions. They should work perfectly well. Why would I ever adjust my glove scheme for the chemical that I'm using instead of just going with the glove that I know that's my base glove that has always worked in the past. Oh, look, now my fingers are melted off. Oh, dear. So Northwestern, a nine-and-a-half-point dog here. That feels like free money. Yeah, that... If Michigan State's going to win, it's not going to be by ten points or more. I mean, Pat Fitzgerald has just eaten D'Antonio's lunch for how many years now? It's three straight. Yeah. I don't know. I don't remember before that. I think before that, they hadn't played for a couple years, and I know MSU won in 2013. That's the last win I remember, though. So it's been three straight years that um, Northwestern has won with and essentially the, the same is, game plan. Yeah, and the question is really, I mean, and those have been Michigan State teams that going in were perceived to be substantially better than Northwestern. Maybe not the 2016. <laughs> well, that was early in the season, though. Not that early. But uh, They had already lost to BYU and Wisconsin yeah. by then. I, but I think, the, the for me, the, bl- the bloom was off the rose by then. But uh, 54-40-year fight. That's right. Yeah, just a preposterous game. And that, like, that game, I mean, this game I think ended up in the 20s last year. But even that gets you to the over. Yeah, I think that it was like, what, it was 29-19, but Thorson had like 60 passing attempts. Yeah, yeah. As far as how this game actually plays out, I'm done trying to predict what I'm going to get from MSU's offense. I mean, like I said, I, there's if you want to have signs, if you want to ha- believe in optimism and look for signs of hope, there are plenty of them there. I mean, I've, the other thing I've seen bandied about is that, actually, did you know Michigan State has the conference's second-leading rusher, second-leading receiver, and second-leading passer? 
<laughs> I did not. Both things are true. And in two of their three games, they've managed one offensive touchdown. <laughs> Figure out how that's even possible, that you pile up that many yards. And it, like it's not like Daryl Stewart is the only guy they throw to. They distribute the ball pretty well. But figure out how you mass that kind of production relative to what our teams in the conference are doing and still have that bad a production. Here, it's my turn to be that guy. You do this to me all the time. In retrospect, you look at their win against Tulsa and how they were able to, to impose their will on that defense. Then you look at Oak State playing Tulsa and really struggling to put them away until the fourth quarter. And you think maybe their peak, their ceiling, is not quite as low as you think. If you want to tell me that that means Tulsa is this year's version of Utah State, um, I really hesitate to go there because I think Tulsa in their other non-Michigan State game had a really bad result. I don't recall exactly what it was. Maybe you care to check on that. Um, but no, it, the, the other thing, as we mentioned... No, they beat San Jose State and then, yeah, gave Oklahoma State a game, which I remember having some fights in it. Hmm. Oh, wait, wait, no, never mind. I was... Here we go. I've undermined myself. Tulsa was the one where the offense couldn't score. Right. <laughs> I was thinking of Western Michigan. Oh. Uh, that... I mean, that doesn't do a lot for me. There we go. I just tried to make an optimistic take, and, uh... It's fine, man. Couldn't it, quite do it. Like I said, it, Best case scenario is that somehow Michigan State's second string left tackle is able to come back for this game. Otherwise, we're back down to playing the fourth string left tackle, which... I just there's got to be a better option than Tyler Higby on a week of preparation. I, he's he's been guard pretty much his whole career. They tried him at center before it was a disaster. They tried him at left tackle before that also did not go well. He's really not that good of a guard. Putting him on our precious quarterback's blind side feels like a terrible. Like how is there not a better option somewhere on the roster, even with three other guys injured? I just don't get it. But look, it the this Spartans is, put up 51 on Western Michigan. Mm-hmm who allowed only 23 points across their other two games. So, that goes to support my point. Who else did Western play? Georgia State and Miami. There we go. Look, I'm not reading in... These Western Michigan's way better than Tennessee. <coughs> well, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> It'd be Georgia State 57-10. to Yeah. Western's offense should be very good. The way the defense played against Western was very encouraging for me, but... Look... In this game, I'm, you can't rely on Michigan State's defense the way that you normally do because they refuse to make schematic adjustments to address Northwestern's offense. They just refuse. And so every year, this is a game where their quali- the quality of the defense doesn't seem to matter. So it's just a question of whether the offense can actually convert its potential into points. I don't care if they get another 400 yards. If they end up with 7 or 10 or 13... They're gonna lose, and probably gonna they're probably gonna lose by the line that they're favored by. If they don't get into the twenties, at least they gotta score to beat Northwestern, which is you know paradoxical. But playing a low-scoring, ugly game, it, it's like it, Fitzgerald is the one guy in the Big Ten who's better at that than D'Antonio, and probably even better than Ference, honestly. Got to imagine Michigan State's got some of the is gonna finish this year with some of the lowest points per yard in the Big Ten. It's possible. I mean, you know, at this rate. They do still have to field five healthy offensive linemen, and I haven't heard any indication on when Chewins is going to play, if he plays this season. I haven't heard if Curie's going to play. He's a chewy boy, but there's been no update at all on either of those guys. And like I said, we heard Jarvis is going to be out for at least six weeks. So 
I guess his red shirt's still in order. He played as a true freshman. That's <laughs> God. Look at what I'm looking for silver linings in Michigan State's offensive line. When I'm like, well, yeah, we lost our starting left tackle, but now we can maybe play him another year. I just that's where this team has me right now. Which again is not to say that things can't turn in a hurry because they win this week. They have Indiana after that. That's probably a winnable game as well. And then despite all the gnashing of teeth and pulling of hair. You're 4-1 going into Ohio State, so there are worse positions that they could be in. Well, when you think about the last time Michigan State had a real crisis on their offensive line, well, that led to you being so uh, not wanting to watch the football at all that we ended up hanging out uh, for the first time. And so that led to this podcast, which means that your welcome internet signed the Spartans offensive line. Was that 2016? Yeah. That was a hard team to watch. (laughs) So, the marquee game of the weekend. Michigan, Wisconsin, Camp Randall Stadium. Big nude kickoff. Big nude kickoff. Uh, Wisconsin by three and a half is the line. The over-under, 43 and a half. Either of those enticing you at all? Ew, man, I'm not touching this game. Hmm. I just don't really know. It's it's hard to see how good either of these teams are. I like, I would probably go, uh, you'd say Wisconsin's favorite? Yes. Yeah. I but mean, by three and a half, which I think the standard home line yeah. is basically a three-point bump, yes? If I if I had to put money on it, I would go with Wisconsin. Same. Uh, um, because it's hard to know how good this Michigan defense really is. Army ran the ball reasonably well against them, albeit with an unconventional scheme. Um, defensive line's not going to get deeper. They may be... Now... The other thing is, again, I haven't seen injury updates here for Michigan either, but they did play the first two weeks without their starting left tackle, without probably the guy I would say is their number one receiver, Dobbin Peoples-Jones. So if they get those two pieces back, the offense could look different. But there's, as far as I can recollect, there's really no help coming defensively. Maybe they work Daxton Hill into the backfield a little bit more. Um, but up front in particular, that defensive line is going to stay shallow. They're still going to be playing Ben Mason, former fullback, heavy snaps at defensive tackle against Wisconsin. That's going to be a problem no matter how much scheming they've done in the bye week. Both teams, did I mention both teams had a bye to prepare for this? Yeah, the, the stakes are even higher. Hopefully we're going to see a well-choreographed football game because I have a feeling I'm going to be looking for something other than my own game to watch. Will Shea Patterson fumble on the first snap on the other side of the ball? Wisconsin hasn't allowed a point yet. Uh, Competition has not been the same. I think that probably comes to an end. Um, Yeah, it's hard to imagine Wisconsin shutting them out completely. Got it. Parish thought that would be just terrible. Um, But yeah, this this should be the game of the week in the conference. It would be close to being the game of the week nationally, but we've got some pretty good ones. So let's go ahead and take a quick... So you like Wisconsin win this one? I do. Um, I don't think it's going to be easy. I'm not confident at all. I don't think it's going to be close, or I think it isn't going to be close, but I think Wisconsin's been the better team this year. What I wonder is this. Is Jim Harbaugh going to stick with a quarterback in a close game? Well, I think that may have been overblown. I know that he made kind of that weird decision to put Patterson in for a play or two, or not Patterson, put McCaffrey in for a play or two, but I think at this point it would be confusing for them to go away from Patterson for extended periods. Again, I, I really think that most of what they've done with their two quarterback sets and all that shit so far has just been window dressing to force teams to prepare for it. It's not like they've really, I mean, that has, it's not been a major feature of the offense. I really, yeah, I think it's just a gadget play. 
Not to say that they couldn't make some use of it if you're unprepared, but I don't think it's going to be a major thing going forward. I think Patterson is their guy until and unless he really forces Harbaugh's hand. Harbaugh has made quarterback switches before, but you got to force him. Well, you know, when you're a highly rated team from Michigan, there's nothing quite like a, an early season game gadget play, a wide receiver reverse pass. This is going to be, though, a very important, closely contested game. So what can we expect from Jim Harbaugh? I kind of expect him to lose his mind a little bit. Yeah, y'all can't see, but I'm, I'm making the, the classic choking gesture with my hands about my neck. I expect him to do things that, immediately after the game, he doesn't even understand why he did. Yeah, maybe choking is the wrong word. Maybe, like, it, I should be pantomiming some, ins- some action of an insane person. I, and I truly cannot even speculate on what that would be, because to, to know his mind, I think, is to know the mind of madness. So it'll be interesting. Like I said, certainly the game of the week. Tickets are... <laughs> I, I meant to mention this as we were going, what ESPN has the tickets listed for. These are the only ones... Somehow Ohio State's tickets are still listed for $53. Y'all are insane. That's Miami you're playing, and not not that Miami. Um, tickets <laughs> not are, that they're any different this year. Well, yeah. Um... <laughs> But yeah, tickets for the Tilton Camp Randall are going damn near 90 bucks for the cheapest. So that's going to be the ticket of the week. We'll see you there at Big Nude Kickoff. <laughs> now, after I saw that going on Twitter, I couldn't stop hearing it. It really... Look, why not have a little bit of fun, you know? You're, you're Gus Johnson. Nobody's going to give you any shit for that. You don't know that he's not doing it on purpose just because he's Gus Johnson who's right. fun no, and can get away with it. I think it's entirely possible that he is. Before we get to the weekend, however, there are some other things you need to pay attention to earlier in the week. Namely, Thursday night, Houston and Tulane. Yes, I'm serious. Yeah, this is an interesting one because you have a really talented dual-threat quarterback in Derek King who has struggled to adapt to Dana Holgerson's offense so far. Uh, he is more of a runner than a passer, in the words of Stephen A. Smith. Runner than a thrower. Runner than a thrower, said. yes. <laughs> but... He didn't have, he of course didn't have much success against <laughs> Oklahoma, but he continued to not enjoy success even in a pretty comfortable win where I, I really expected him to shine. I mean, he's put up ridiculous stats over the last couple of years. Just ridiculous. Like Lamar Jackson-esque stats when yeah. you consider his rushing numbers. You know, it, it's funny sometimes that we would expect on paper that Khalil Tate would have fit Kevin Sumlin like a glove, but still a year and change later really hasn't come to pass that way Um, the other reason you want to pay attention here is Tulane having been downtrodden basically since they voluntarily left the SEC in I think the 50s uh, is really with um, with Willie Fritz has has kind of rejuvenated themselves so they may end up being you can keep your eye on them as kind of that next AAC program that ascends I don't know if I would say they're going to do what UCF has done but they could certainly have a one or two year flash in the pan like Houston did a few years ago. Where like South Florida did. Yeah, that's that's entirely possible. So keep your eyes on Tulane is all I'm saying. They could and be, they're not entirely triple option, no passing either. No, they are a little bit more versatile. Um, Willie Fritz has evolved. Right. And the other thing is they have unquestionably the best logo in all of college football. That is one pissed off cartoon wave and it will fisticuffs you. Which is kind of a hilarious thing for a school in New Orleans to have as its logo. Yeesh! But anyway... On Saturday, the quest to fire Gus Malzahn continues. Indeed. As Texas A&M hosts Auburn, they're just always trying to fire that guy. 
So you can't imagine that they ever get too upset when anything happens because every win is a win, and that's great. Every loss, ooh, we're one step closer <laughs> to firing Gus Malzahn. Oh, fire Gus! Yeah, I guess, man. Uh... God, if he gets fired, we need to be on the phone to him immediately. Holy shit. I think plenty of teams would be. The question, I guess, would, you know, it, he hasn't had a head coaching job other than Auburn, correct? Did he have a stint at Arkansas State? Or he yes, he did very well there. Okay, he he well, had an exile at Arkansas State, basically. That's right. After, wasn't it after Chiswick was fired, he went there for a minute? Or did he no, he left from... there during the, after the national title. Oh, that's right. So then Chiswick fell apart. Yeah, and then he came back. It's, um, <laughs> that, actually, that's a pretty good ploy by him. Realizes, well... <laughs> I need to get the hell away from this before, it, yeah, before hmm. the roof came in. You know what? In. I should be the head coach here. And if I leave here, Gene Chizik is not going to do jack shit <laughs> on offense. <laughs> so, I'm going to leave, just sit back while that collapses, and then step back in and say, Hey, remember this guy? Ten years later, however long... I mean, it hasn't been that long, but... You know, looking elsewhere... It's a little bit of a top-heavy slate. I may have oversold it earlier. You got, you got some. You have some truly weird matchups, though. For example, what culturally do you think Cal and Ole Miss have in common that made them decide to play a football game with each other? You know what? I like that. I like yeah. random power fives. Yes. I mean, when you look at college football schedules from the '80s. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> yeah, were they bat- look so. They were much bad better shit. Than we I had. wish we had those. Because you know, other than that, I mean, you look up and down. You've got Wake Forest hosting Elon. You know, you've got Army playing Morgan State. You've got Ohio State with its annual serving of Ohio matching. Um, but they're, you know... Well, I like Louisiana, Ohio. That's an interesting one. That was not quite at the level that we were talking about earlier. UCF-Pittsburgh is a, is a matchup of a team that's better than their record in Pittsburgh, but not as good as UCF. UCF is going to win that game and probably pretty easily. The only thing that gives me any hesitation at all is that it's at Pittsburgh. Appalachian State against North Carolina. Saucy. Um, yeah, that could be interesting. Appalachian is hot, hot, hot. They are, you know, first year after Scott Satterfield, but the other thing is North Carolina came back down to earth a little bit last year, so this could that could be an interesting one. Um, Central Michigan going to Miami. That, that just makes me think why, you know, I see a MAC team playing Miami of the saga with them in Toledo. <laughs> Do I remember that? I think it, well, alright, I want to get the whole story right. I'm fairly sure Miami, for unclear reasons, agreed to like a home-and-home with Toledo. Yes. And they were trying to get out of it. And I think Toledo is the school they ended up having to sue. If it wasn't Toledo, it was somebody else. Where, like, it, I think it was under either a previous administration, or maybe the same one. I I don't know Miami's athletic department, but. So yeah, I see them playing another MAC team, and I'm like, Why? Why did you pay Central Michigan instead of paying, you know, Florida International or something? But I guess you don't necessarily want... If you're a program in Miami's short and middle-term situation, I guess you don't necessarily want to invite players who are motivated to beat you to your stadium. Yeah, so uh, other points of interest here include, of course, Georgia hosting Notre Dame in a top-10 matchup. Yeah, that's the obvious game-day choice, although honestly... Well, the other thing I heard is that uh, Georgia is making plans to have as many fans present outside the stadium as inside, and it's going to be a September, I think it's in, what time is that kick? It's, it is evening, isn't it? Yes. Okay, so it's an 8 o'clock kick, but still, that means there's going to be, what does Georgia Dome, what does the Sanford Stadium hold, like 95, 90,000 people? About 90. So, if there's 180,000 people drinking for a night game, 
the forecast is 87 and sunny and Georgia 87 is different from what we get up here that's good there's are there enough ambulances in the Athens metropolitan area to deal with the amount of combination sun and alcohol poisoning you're going to get in that crowd uh, one certainly hopes so that sounds brutal consider also that for being a top seven matchup that's a 14 point georgia line so what do you think about that any any way that you see notre dame keeping that close i think that notre dame does not have the talent to compete with georgia and the play style here favors georgia so much because it's one where you can really lean on the talent could that be. was a very, very talking head thing to say. Yeah, but not wrong, though. I mean, talent-wise, is Georgia the same as Clemson? No, but they're not far off. Is Notre Dame better than last year? I don't think so. They do still have Ian Book. He's been lighting it up pretty damn good. Somehow kind of uncommented on. Also, like Ohio State, I'm like, it, most of the time, I, we can't get anyone to shut up about these teams. Now they're both ranked in the top seven. Both have these dynamite quarterbacks interesting offenses and it kind of feels like they're being undersold nationally because we're still so fixated on the playoff that it's just whatever teams are one two three four get all the airtime. yep that's all that matters don't you want to talk about other teams that could be in the top four though because then you get i don't know i don't know i want to talk about who could win the big 10 who could win the other conferences i want to talk about who's going to win the conferences and who we're going to see in the bulls old bull system old bull system or die so, another one that I think is particularly interesting is Oak State at Texas. Because Oak State has a winning streak at Texas. And they have derailed promising Texas seasons before. Do you think that they got a chance to do it here? I do, because we saw in Texas's matchup with LSU that it's not like their defense is invincible. It took something of a step backwards from the last of the strong talent somehow. I'm not saying they're not a better team overall, but... There's clearly a little bit of a gap here where they aren't quite back up to their typical standard defensively. And Oklahoma State, with Tylen Wallace, Chuba Hubbard, and um, Sanders, really have not missed much of a beat despite reloading their skill group a bit from last year. Although Wallace was there last year, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah, well, he was there. I don't think he was playing quite this type of role. I think he's the leading receiver in the country, isn't he? You know he? how long it's been since Texas beat Oklahoma State at home, bearing in mind that they've <coughs> played every year? I don't know. 2008. Wow. 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 Yeah, because Oak State has won the last four in this series, as well as seven of the last ten, and the only ones that they've dropped have been at home. And ESPN says tickets are available as low as $2. What? That can't be right. Maybe it's just because of a big letdown after they played LSU. I think the Red River shootout's coming up pretty soon, so I guess... Yeah, everybody's get, got, got to save up for that one. So people get geared up for that. All right, whatever. But anyway, that should be another game to keep an eye on. Elsewhere, our continuing Hawaii watch, they're hosting the Bears, I believe it is, of Central Arkansas. Kark. Yeah. So that'll be an interesting one if you feel like staying up until 4 in the morning. To watch some big stats get put up on the offensive side of the ball. Most likely. And then, of course... You can never sleep on the Rio Grande rivalry. You can sleep on the Rio Grande rivalry. Well, yes, because it's at Dream Style Stadium in Albuquerque, New Mexico. The Lobos take on the Aggies, one of the few armed mascots remaining. <laughs> yeah. Well, wait a minute, yeah. didn't they take away his guns? I thought they took away the Oklahoma State guy's guns. Investigation. <laughs> nope. 
New Mexico State's guy still has his dual revolvers. As God intended. As the Founding Fathers intended. Well, why do you think they put that thing in there? So, do you have anything that you think is going to be our dick trip of the week next week? Hmm. Um, I don't believe in Virginia. I'm not saying they're going to lose to Old Dominion because that's a 30-point line. But has Old Dominion done this to an in-state ACC team before? Sure they have. But, you know, other than that, I mean, you just identified unranked Oklahoma, somehow unranked Oklahoma State, going to Texas in a game in a stadium they haven't lost in in over 10 years. That, on paper, would be a pretty good spot. It would also be very like Michigan State's opponents for Arizona State to lose to 2-1 Colorado. Although that True. game is at Arizona State, and it's a 10 o'clock kickoff with a high of 97, so it's going to be Arizona State's wheelhouse. I don't know why people live there. Um, that just, like, I get that it's... I like the heat. I like know, to cook. You're not a piece of jerky, man. Like, <laughs> Well, it's a dry heat. Well, yes, that's fine, and I get that, but as soon as there isn't a wind of at least 10 miles an hour, it literally feels like you're in an oven. Yeah, yeah, but no... I mean, you, just, you start to feel your hair... As it maybe considers catching on fire. <laughs> yeah, but no, looking elsewhere, <coughs> do you want to tell me that a, ca- and a pretty impotent California offense could be upset on the road? Actually, Mississippi is favored. Ole Miss is favored in that matchup. Um, Matt Corral is a former USC quarterback, so you know he's probably got some talent on paper. That would technically be a dick trip. Mm. Elijah Moore of, is the Ole Miss leading receiver who... Which, I mean, that that really sounds just a lot like the main connection at Purdue, yeah. does it not? Yeah. Uh, the one that I'm calling is Washington traveling to BYU. BYU, very plucky, could not hold their own against Utah, but did knock off USC on the road, if I'm not mistaken. And just because this is a road game for Washington, I know they took care of business against Hawaii last week, but, ooh, this could be a spooky one. Speaking of Utah, 10th ranked Utah traveling 9 o'clock Friday night to... The same USC Trojans you just mentioned. No, that I forget I bought that. <laughs> Your source for Big Ten talk. It's off tackle and.